Hello there, my friend, and welcome to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche, viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature, maybe. Enjoy. I want to make an episode today on psychology and maybe several episodes on psychology in the future as well around the benefits, shall I say, of therapy or maybe even more how does therapy work in a certain way. And as a way to illustrate how therapy works, I am going to each time bring up a situation. I'm going to bring up one of my patients. Now, naturally, I will not give you the name of the patient or even too much details around the person because that would be me not uh, respecting the um, ethics, of course, of the profession or even just politeness in itself and the secrecy that we're sworn to or whatever. So I will be quite evasive um, when it comes to those parts or even just simply change them. And that doesn't even matter because actually what matters is more the content, of course, and how it applies to each and one of us. The only reason that I bring up the patient or the situation is in order to illustrate a point. And the first one that I want to bring up is this sensation that we can get, especially in the therapeutic process, but then also in life in general, of basically just going around in circles. Going around in, going around in circles, which can make us feel quite in despair, where we get this feeling that nothing is ever going to change. And I am here today to tell you, my friend, to stay calm because you are constantly evolving and everything will always change. And I will explain today the reason for those circles. And I will also illustrate today in what way they aren't really circles in the sense that they are not really going back to the same place again. They're more like spirals. And as to illustrate this, I want to bring up the patient that I am having in mind, who has been experiencing um, exactly this. So to illustrate it, let's begin with just giving you the context of someone who is in a part of their life where they're starting to look at the past and seeing that they haven't really done what they wanted to do, that they're not really happy where, where they're at, that they're using distractions to not confront what they're not so happy about. And then maybe more so, the really anxious part of it is that they don't really know what they want and they're not really sure of what they need to do in order to come out of that state. And actually, this was the reason that this person wanted to start therapy in itself. You have to remember that when it comes to the therapeutical process, it's very different to a lot of other things in life that are pushed by consumerism. 
Consumerism has us wanting to create the lack within other people so that they will want to consume, right? That's what advertising is all about. When it comes to the therapeutic demand, as I would translate it in from French, and it sounds much more um, demanding, therefore, in English, I would say maybe quest instead in English would be a better word. It is a process that you come to on your own and you have to come to it on your own or the actual catharsis of the therapy will not work. If you don't know why you're there, basically, you will not see the point either and you will not do the work. So you have to come from a point where I want this. It is, of course, the reason that it doesn't work to tell someone to go to therapy. They have to come to that realization themselves. So as this person had come to the realization by themselves and contacted me, we started a therapeutical work. Now, what we have to understand is when we started out, we were really in just dealing with what is for quite some time. And that meant really just dealing with the perpetuation of I am just living through the symptom. I'm using distractions to not have to deal with what is. And in the conversations that we would have, there would very often be um, a rejection of going into the depth of the symptom and instead staying on the surface, which basically looks like something like any other conversation that we have with people around us, speaking about superficial things. Or even just like, oh, well, and then I did that. Oh, and that made me feel like this. Oh, okay. Well, but I do know that I really shouldn't. These kind of things, right? All of that we do with our friends, our family. And we do it with our therapists as well. But what it really means is that we're not actually coming into the depth of what is happening. So for a long time, we were talking about why she would not be more productive in her day. She would have a lot of spare time, let's say, because she was on holiday to start with. And therefore, she would not really be in a structure in her schedule, in her day. And she would kind of try to schedule her day anyway. She would find things that she would like to do. And she was in this quest as well of kind of finding what is it that I want in life, actually? What do I enjoy? Who am I really? What are my desires? So she was absolutely trying to structure it up. However, she would often come into these cycles of not really, well, let's call it just cycles of boredom, where nothing would really feel as if it made sense. And so she would kind of skip out on everything, everything that she had kind of planned out to do to become a little bit more creative with herself and productive and do things. She would kind of just slip into a boredom mode. And in the boredom mode, she would do things that are very typical to many of us, which means social media, which means Netflix or whatever other of, the, of these channels. She would eat, of course, and she would, what else do you do when you're bored that is in social media, uh, watching something or eating, whatever you do, right? All of those same things that many of us do skip from one thing to the next. It could be trying to be productive, but then doing that for about a minute whilst you're thinking about something else and then finding something else to try instead. She would then, of course, after a while, be so disappointed with herself because she was in this cycle that she would go into a real downhill and just being really upset with herself and with life in general. She would then take on, of course, this kind of 
auto-flagellation mode of talking herself down until we had our session, which she would come very close to cancelling and then still sticking with it, having the session with me. The reason she would be coming close to cancelling was the same way she would cancel most of the other things that would actually lead somewhere. And she would actually probably be feeling ashamed of her situation and not really wanting to face it by telling me about it. Luckily, she never really cancelled, so we always would have our sessions anyway. I'm talking in past sense about this because this was when we started working together. Things have, of course, changed since then. When we had our sessions, she would then be in a low and I would talk her out of it, basically. We would start out on a superficial level and even though we would try to go a little bit into depth, there would be a wall. We would easily hit a wall there where we would, couldn't really go any further. What does that wall look like? Like for many of us, it looks like I don't know. It looks like you get a question and the answer is I don't know. We get this when we are in a conflict with someone, I'm pretty sure, on a daily basis and that we're asking the person, why did you do so-and-so, and we get the reply, I don't know. I don't know are the magic words, because actually that is never true. We always have an intention with everything that we do, so that means that deep down we do know why we do, but consciously we don't want to access that. So that is what I mean by we hit a wall. However, when I then noticed that, okay, we're not going to go into depth with this today, I would instead turn the conversation around and we would go into a we would spiral, spiral upwards instead so that we would come into a more positive perception on the situation. When we came into the more positive perception, it would be easier for her as well to tap a little bit further into the depth because she was less defensive, less in the shame actually, and it was easier to detach a little bit from the emotion and to look at what she was doing. As we spiraled upwards and she could do this there would be a few insights and well basically that would very often be towards the end of the session which meant that we would usually end the um, session on a high note maybe with a little bit of a thing to take with her for next week so I would call that a bit of a homework or a reflection let's say something to pay attention to over a, a period of a couple of weeks this would happen and it would either continue exactly the same way next week or there would be a little bit of a, an evolution or a progression in, in her state. Now, what would happen though? And this is where I really want to come into the cycling mode because, of course, the therapy in itself has its effects, effects on her and progressively she would actually begin to bring herself out of her low mode and out of her habitual patterns to go into the distractions when she was bored when she basically wanted to check out from herself and it would instead bring her into a more in-depth insight of herself she would become more productive because she would have less of those I'm checking out of myself and she would start to work on herself on her own time as well for instance, looking into books and podcasts and this and that and taking an interest in different kind of philosophical work or self-development things that she would then be able to bring in as a self-reflection exercise for herself so that this would bring 
also insights on her own time that would lighten her mood, which would, which would change her perception of herself. And then when we would meet again, she would be really actually excited about our session and wanting to share the insights and her progress with me. So she would be feeling kind of the opposite of the shame. She would be feeling quite proud of what she had accomplished. And we would then spiral upwards and it would be really good for a session or two, almost as far as she would even be like, I don't even know what to talk about today kind of thing. It was, it was this heightened state, right? My advice to her when we were in those moments would be to really try to tap into how she was feeling, what was going on when she was in those mode, what brought her there so that if ever she would come back into spiral back into the negative again, she would remember where she was at when she was in the good part and also what she had done to get herself there as a way to remember when you're in the low, how can I come back to the high state and then more so, of course, to actually reassure yourself when you're in the low that you can be in the high state because one of the things that perpetuates the low mode is that it feels like this will never change, right? That's also what shame does to us. It's this is what I'm going to be like forever because this is who I am. This is me. I'm bad, basically. I'm worthless. It would then happen that she would be spiraling back downwards again, like it happens. And then she would be sometimes in an even worse stage because she would say, how come I've come back to this, even though just a couple of weeks ago I was in such a high state? And this is where I really want to speak to all of you. Now, this is where I stop illustrating for a little bit and come into something more general, because this is something that we all experience, right? I'm quite sure that most of you can recognize yourself in everything that I've been saying here, more or less, or, or transform it into something that looks like whatever in your life. And so the thing is, what you have to remember is the reason that you are in the state that you are in when you come into the quest of wanting to feel better is because you have been practicing that personality for your whole life and you come to a point basically when you decide to do something about it is when you come to a point where you realize that your strategies are not really being that efficient anymore or effective anymore because you're starting to actually notice that they're not helping you so very often it very often what this looks like is that we've gone through something some kind of personal down that's a little bit stronger than previous ones in life. And then as we're starting to look at ourselves, we're realizing that what we've built up isn't really what makes us feel happy. But the thing is, we don't really come to that point until we are actually at a certain age often, okay? Because of course, when we are children and when we are teenagers, first of all, we're not looking at ourselves that way. Everything that constitutes our personality was brought into us at that time at that age and as we've spoken about before especially when we're children we're not questioning anything we haven't really developed our critical uh, capacity to select what information we want to take in or not so we take in everything and we believe everything to be 100% true so we don't question things and then we come into adolescence where we begin to, in a certain way, not question the same way our personality, but we're beginning to make preferences. 
which is why you see teenagers starting to play around with the idea of an identity, trying on this or that identity, wanting to belong to a group of people, but we're not yet ready as people, as individuals. We're still very much in the need of feeling that we belong to a group, which is why for teenagers, the, the sensation of being a part of a group with their friends specifically, with the peers, I should say, is very extremely important. Then we come into the early age of adulthood where we are so indoctrinated with what we should be doing, what we've been told and since childhood is the right thing and the way to go, that we don't question anything. And we're quite busy at that time as well. We're busy with whether it's studies or work or even something in a combination of the two and traveling maybe. We're exploring what adulthood is and it's very exciting because it means a lot of freedom it means responsibilities as well but we haven't really touched at them yet because we haven't usually come to the point where we start to have mortgage and stagnation as in stabilize down with a house and things like that it doesn't really start at least not in the early 20s for many so we're still kind of exploring then and we haven't come to a part yet where we start to look at is this actually who I am? Is this what I want? And then we come to a point where things begin to slow down just a little bit. We have discovered what adult life is. And we've probably had a couple of knockouts, let's say. A few situations that were not expected and that brought us down. And that surprised us because we've never experienced it in childhood. Now this can be on a romantic level. It can be on a financial level. It can be friendship, of course, just relationships in general. And very often it can also then be on our first step into, for instance, the professional world. So we're realizing basically that we're not immortal. And it's only really, and I'm going to be very loose in what I'm saying, because obviously this is very different depending on who you are. It's different from where you come from and which time in time, basically, like, you know, this happens because I think that it happens probably earlier now than it used to do at one point. But let's say somewhere between your 30s and your 35, I would say you begin to stabilize and then maybe have a look at, hang on, is this who I am? Hang on, is this how I identify? And am I happy with this? Which is probably also why there's a lot of people who kind of change route a little bit in that time. And I guess in the astrology world, they talk about a return of Saturn somewhere around your early 30s. That should have some kind of huge change in people's life. And so this is why somewhere from that age and on, we might begin to self-reflect. And I mean, the whole therapy thing might wait another 10 years before we get there, right? So don't, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that just we start, because we're starting to ask ourselves questions doesn't mean that we're actually that awake that we would say, oh, maybe I should go and see a therapist. Absolutely not. So usually also when we get very into the distractions, finding all these reasons, we're not really happy, but we don't really want to acknowledge it because, you know, we've been working towards this. And then we find all kinds of other ways to, to not look at that. Anyway, what I'm trying to say with all of this is that you've been building up patterns of behavior since day one, and then you've been practicing them for maybe 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 years before you come and sit down on the therapist's couch, which means that you have to be a little bit more patient with yourself when you begin the work. 
you will have early insights when you begin the work because you're starting to tap into things that you haven't really allowed yourself to tap into before. So you will realize things about yourself. And there will be understandings where you go, right, okay, and then that will have an effect in your life, which is wonderful because we really need that fast feedback in order to stay motivated in the therapeutical session. However, very quickly, because the effect of familiarity is so strong, we will fall back into our old patterns. This is why the cycle happens, okay? This is why it feels like we're going in circles because we start at a point, we get an insight, we make some changes, we get really excited, and then something happens and we just spiral back to square one. And then it happens again, and then it happens again. Now, where I want to tell you that you're not actually coming back to square one is, of course, because you've had the insight, you have already changed. I mean, you have already changed from one day to the next because of what you ate, okay? Your whole microbiome, is different. Every cell in your body has been renewed or whatever, you know. So there's constant change anyway. And depending on the conversation that you had last night with a good friend that was really insightful this morning, you will be a different person. Or on the contrary, depending on a conflict that you had with someone where you realize that actually that person doesn't understand you maybe and so it wasn't insightful at at all in that sense you are a different person the next morning because you realize that oh maybe I need to change my communication or maybe I need to change the people in my life you know so we're changing constantly this is why it's a spiral and that that spiral is going in one direction and that is towards progression every time you come into a lull you're going back into what's familiar it is perfectly natural that you do however every time that you then come out of it and that you have a new insight you've traveled a little bit higher up on the spiral of progression and the low brought you a new approach and a new perception of how the low will feel like so you're always going in upward direction and this is what the therapy can do for you all of this that i'm telling you you can perfectly well experience on your own. However, it might take a little bit longer or maybe almost very, very long, I want to say, because if there's no one there as a sounding board sending you back, actually, this is normal, or no, but look at the insight that you had, or yeah, but okay, Remember how you're feeling now when you're feeling so good so that you know that next time you come into a low. You might come to those conclusions on your own, but it's going to be much slower, of course, because there's no sounding board. It's a little bit as if you will be able to understand how you look like just by touching your face like you would if you were blind. However, if you were looking yourself in a mirror, you will actually come to that insight of what you look like much faster. It's exactly the same thing. This is why therapy works. Now, if you are interested in knowing more around what a therapeutical situation can can be for you, you are more than welcome to get in touch with me through email, through Instagram, or even commenting if you wish. And I am happy to answer any questions. I'm happy to listen to you and even schedule 
sessions if that would be something that you are interested in. And today, more so than in any other episode, I want to say, I invite you to share this episode. If there's anyone, when you're listening to this, that comes to your mind who would benefit from hearing these words. Thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Mm-hmm.